Well, good morning. How are we doing, guys? Good? Awesome. Wow. I, I don't know what you're clapping for, but uh, what, if we, what if we do this? Let's just, what if we together were to clap and we were to welcome everybody who was here for the first time and say, we're glad that you're here, or for people who might be, yeah, or for people who might be watching online, thanks for joining us today. I don't know if Scott did me any favors or not, but um, man, I, um, l- let me tell you this. I- I'm not going to talk about myself much. Let's just get, can we just get to it today? I'm not going to evaluate you if you don't evaluate me. And let's just talk about what I think God has for us today. Can we do that? Yeah. And if we never see each other again, then I have something I think God wants you to hear today. And Scott said, hey, you're going to do week one of the new series. So he didn't allow me to bring my very best stuff. So you're just getting regular stuff, okay? <laughs> and so, so here we go. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this before we jump in, too. Um, this year, my wife and I have probably worshipped in 15 different churches. And I have not talked to her, but I know that she'll say the same thing. What we just experienced isn't happening a lot of places. Like, you got to be a part of something special this morning. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't been moved, and I haven't responded like I did today in a long time. And you're being led by people who love Jesus. And I, I just, I love that about what we just did together today. And the other thing is that you led each other, you led me in worship today. And so as we get into the teaching part, and, and the way you were, were responding in worship, you can do that during the message. I mean, you can, I mean, you, you can clap, you can, you can do whatever you want to do, you could raise a hand, you can, and, and if I ask you a question, raise a hand. I'd love to know that you're actually listening today. And if you want to clap when I walk off just simply because I'm done, then do that, okay? Let's... <laughs> That's completely fine, all right? So here we go. Um, How many of us would agree with this statement today that one person can make a difference? All right? Yeah, one person can make a difference. And yet, how many of us would have a little bit trouble raising our hand on this statement that I, I could be that person, like I can make a difference? See, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Because I think a lot of us probably have questions sometimes about that, and we maybe believe that it could be true about other people, but maybe just a little bit less so about ourselves. And maybe we actually believed it at one time, but for whatever reason, we don't really believe it anymore. And maybe we missed opportunities, or maybe we made some huge mistakes in our life, or we just don't feel qualified or good enough, and something maybe tells us we can't do that, or we shouldn't do that, or we just don't have it in us. And I think I came here today to simply tell you this, okay? You can make a difference. I think that's why God designed you and created you to be a person who makes a difference in this world. I want you to believe it. (laughs) I want you to believe it in every section and in every seat today. I think God wants you to know that. I I want you to know that so that you don't just exist or drift through your life without knowing that the one life that you've been given like your one and only life, can be used for God's glory to make a difference beyond your wildest imagination. I want you to believe that by the time we're done today, okay? And I think it's okay if you still have questions because a lot of us probably do. Like this one, right? Well, could that really be true? (laughs) And what would that look like? How could that actually even happen? And so when I started digging into this message a few days ago, I thought, you know, I think we're going to land on four steps 
or three ideas, or maybe tell you two stories in the end that will motivate you to get out there and, and, and hey, go try these things. And I, I gotta tell you, that's not, that's not where I landed in the end, okay? But I'm actually pretty excited to share it with you. I can't wait to get to the end and just and, and tell you what I'm thinking and where God's leading us today. It's so simple that every single one of us can do it, and yet it's so important that every single person you're gonna meet needs it. All right, so let's jump in, okay? One person can make a significant difference in the world, and no one has that actually been more true of than a guy we read about in the Bible named John the Baptist. And so um, I, we're going to read some passages from the book of Mark and the book of John. If you've got a Bible, you can find it. I don't think it's uh, loaded in your notes on the app, which is where the best place would be to go to get that. Or I think some of them will be on the screen behind me today. But, and when we're talking about John the Baptist, I've got to make sure we're on the same page. Three things that we really just have to understand so we can go forward, okay? Four people write about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Interestingly enough, all four of those guys also write about this guy, John the Baptist, okay? And I think that's important. Uh, second thing, John the Baptist did not know he was a Baptist, in case you were wondering, okay? He, he just, it's a nickname he got because John baptized people who were followers of God. This, this is basically what he did. You want to follow God? Great. Tell me all your sins. I baptize you. That's how that went, okay? And then the third thing is this, is that John the Baptist is not the same as John, the guy we read about in the Bible who authored books, okay? First, second, third John, Revelation. They're different people. Like John the author, he is a close friend and follower of Jesus. John the Baptist is actually the cousin of Jesus, okay? So we're going to read from the book of John, but that's not the John we're talking about. Are we clear on that? Okay, good. Let's, let's keep responding. Here we go. Okay, I've, I'm going to condense several passages today to kind of give you a scope of John's life and where I want to go this morning. But one passage I think more than any other is a good summary is this one right here in the book of Mark chapter 1. Let me just read it for you. It says this. This is the good news about who? It's important. Jesus. Okay. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, he says, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. He's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone's coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Hey, just as a framework to understand John's life today, I want to consider John as a man, and I want to talk about his mission, and I want to talk about his message. Now, if we're talking about John the man, we're also talking about women. Can we, all right? If you're a woman, it's John, John, let's just say, how could I interpret this as John the woman, okay? So, but woman doesn't start with M, so we got to go with man and mission and message. So I love verse one, right? This story is about the good news of Jesus, and then he quickly tells us about John because John's whole job is to introduce Jesus to the world, 
Now think about John, because John's an unlikely assignment for this job, in my opinion, okay? We get a few details about that you read in verse number six, about his fashion and his food, right? So he's a fancy dresser, apparently, and somewhere he gets a hold of camel's hair, and he gets some clothing going on, and he's got a sweet leather belt that he's rocking, and then he has this diet, okay, he's eating bugs. I assume the honey is there to kind of wash it down, and I don't know if John's raised this way, but just uh, I'll throw this in for free. It's not... It's not a good way to raise a normal kid, okay? That's not a good diet for them. So John's just uh, seems like a normal guy, but he's very interesting. I would actually say John's unique. And how many of you know that unique can, uh, can mean special, but it can also mean weird, okay? Hey, you're unique. I don't know. Does that mean I'm special or I'm weird? Well, John's both, okay? You should read his birth story if you go back in Luke chapter 1. Very fascinating, I'll just throw this in for free. I was reading this week, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I wonder if some of John, I just apologize to all the pastors in the room right now. I just wonder if some of John's weirdness is from the fact that his dad was actually a pastor, okay? He's actually a, he's a pastor's kid, okay? Now, I have three, and they're pretty cool. They turned out okay, so that's just for free, okay? But when he's old enough to actually move out of his parents' house, he moves into the wilderness, and he doesn't emerge again until he's 30 years old. Now, you try to picture that guy right there, okay? No known address, no formal education or training. It's like he kind of let himself go a little bit, right? He grew a fantastic beard, probably smells a little funny. And I just kind of picture this guy who woke up from a multi-year nap, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, looks like it's time to go to work. And then he just walks out of the wilderness, and he starts talking about Jesus. And I think all that makes John somewhat of an unlikely candidate for what he's been asked to do here. And I think that that's actually pretty encouraging for us, isn't it? Because if a guy like John the Baptist can make a difference that he does, I think you can too. Now, if you're like me, you can come up with a list of reasons on why God can't or shouldn't use you. You kind of got some of those going in the back of your head right now, right? I mean, why God shouldn't, couldn't, or wouldn't use me to make a difference. It's understandable why God uses some people, but I'm not so sure about me. I mean, how about these, right? Well, I have weaknesses, and you know those better than anyone else. I've, I've made mistakes, or I don't know the Bible, or I have a past, or I feel inadequate, why would God actually choose to use someone like me? I lose my temper. I actually did it on the way here, right? I have doubts. I still struggle with that one thing that nobody else knows about. And here's the deal. How many of you know that we oftentimes confuse the people that God uses with the people that we would choose? You see, the Jaguars, when they're sitting in the draft room, they better be looking for the biggest, fastest, tallest, strongest guy they can find, right? They better be looking at who played at the top schools, who has the best football IQ, and they need to draft that guy right there. That's the way the Jaguars should do it. That's not the way God does it. That's not the way God chooses people. He chooses people who are oftentimes extremely unlikely. I read recently about a woman who's in California. She's driving a van full of kids to kindergarten. She hears a siren behind her, so she pulls over to the side of the road, and a fire truck passes by, which prompts a discussion in the back on the Dalmatian they saw sitting, riding shotgun. Like, why is that Dalmatian in the fire truck? And one kid says, well, it, it's their best friend, like he's a companion. 
Somebody else says, no, he's, he's there to keep the crowd back when they get on the scene. And then another kid says, no, I, I think he's there because he rescues people, like pulls people out of the fire. And then another kid from the back actually uh, shouts, he goes, no, he's there to find the fire hydrant. <laughs> now, <laughs> I got to make sure you're still listening, okay? And here's the point of all that is that every part of creation is designed to serve a purpose, Okay. And that means you, no matter what seat you're sitting in today, you're designed by God to serve a position and to be useful. And God uses people of all shapes and sizes and stories. You are addition one of one. How do you like that? There's nobody else like you. There's no duplicates. There's no copies. We don't even need another John the Baptist. We already had one of those. And you may not be the brightest You may not be the best at anything. That's okay. You're a unique creation, a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter of a most high God. That's who you are. John the man, I think, was really unique, and I think he's an unlikely choice, but he had a clear mission. Think about his mission for a second. You see it in verse 3. He says, I'm a voice shouting, prepare the way for the Lord, clear the way. Now, in the first century, when John's doing all this, there's not a lot of major roads. There's not big, you know, uh, interstates or even decent transportation between cities. And when a king is ready to pass by, they'll send people out there who are filling in holes in the road, and they're picking up trash and debris, and they're they're just kind of clearing people out of the way. And then they walk up and down the road, and they say, hey, the king is coming. The king is coming. And before you know it, all these people from these small villages and living across the hillside, they just start showing up. And they're standing on the road. They just want to get a glimpse of the king. Who's this authority that's passing by? And what John is saying here is, hey, look at that. I'm the guy who's running down this, this pothole filled road here, the crooked path. I'm the guy who's saying, hey, he's coming. He's coming. Get ready. Here he is. There he is. That's him. Now, there were some people who tried to pull John off that mission from time to time. And you can read about them in John chapter 1. You can read about them in John chapter 3. And there are people who would say, John, look at all these people who are following you. I mean, your crowd is enormous. Look at all these baptisms. Look at all these people lined up to come out here and be baptized. John, we got to branch out, man. We got to build a bigger empire. We got to dominate the market. We'll follow you. You know what John does? He never lets that throw him off of his mission. He never lets it throw him off mission because he understood his purpose, his assignment, and his calling in life. And here's a phrase I hope you'll walk out of here with today. He understood that his mission was to throw a spotlight on Jesus. Throw a spotlight on Jesus. You know, this summer I picked up just a part-time job working security for a couple of concert venues in our area. I know you guys are looking at me going, oh, yeah, I can see that. I see how you got the job. I know. <laughs> that's not it at all. A lady looked at me, and she goes, you look responsible. So that's actually how I got the job. I don't know what that means. But it's been fun. It's been enlightening, and I'm collecting stories. And so before every concert, we'll get our team together, and they'll hand out this cue sheet, and it has all the information on it that I need for the night. So a couple of weeks ago, we have Chris Brown in town, and so we're going over the, 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 the list, and, and you read all these interesting kinds of things on there. Hey, here's what the all-access pass looks like. Here's what this other pass looks like. Here's the color of wristband you need to get in the pit. And then you kind of go through all these things, right? Here's the things you're allowed to bring in. Here's the things you're not allowed to bring in. If you find this, here's what you do with it. And then there's this really interesting section kind of right at the top in the middle And it says, here are the bands that are playing and at what times. 
And so we'll say, okay, well, Chris Brown is here. Security, you're going to be extra busy tonight, so everybody be prepared. And then you're looking over here going, Chris Brown has to go on at 930 because he has to leave at 11. And so then you back, you back date, like kind of you back, back up the time, and you're looking at this list while wow, there's three other bands, and the first person, I don't remember your name, but I know you've got from 7 o'clock to 7.10, and I'm going, wow, that's not very much time at all. And then you've got these opening acts, right? They want to do well. I get it. They've sold some music. They've sold some T-shirts. They have some fans who come out to watch them perform. But do you know what every single performer who plays before the headliner is well aware of? They're not the star of the show. <laughs> They're there to warm people up for the star, right? They're setting the stage for the main attraction. And since it's an outdoor venue, the lights don't even come up until the main act takes the stage. And I think that's what John's saying here is, John knows this. Hey, I'm just here to shine a spotlight on the star, and the star is Jesus. Listen, church, so are you. That's why you're here. One of my favorite missionary stories is a guy by the name of A.W. Milne, and he was a missionary to the New Hebrides, which is a group of 500 islands off the northwest coast of Scotland. And Milne went to these islands knowing that previous missionaries had been executed. And so he goes there, and the fascinating story is he stays for 35 years, and he never leaves and he saw such a change happen with his presence there and such a breakthrough that when he died, the people inscribed this on his tombstone. It says this, when he came, there was no light, and when he left, there was no darkness. How awesome is that? I mean, what would it actually look like then to get to the end of your life and have it said of us, hey, when he left or when she left, there was less darkness and there was a whole lot more light. Better yet, how do you do it one day at a time, right? One interaction, one moment, one conversation, and through the light that you have in your life, you help push back the darkness in the world. That's why you're here, right? That's why you're here. That's the mission that God has for you, and that's how you're going to make a difference in the world. Whatever light I have, I shine it on Jesus. Now, I may not come back ever, and so that clock means very little to me. So here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to get to the good stuff. Can we go? Here we go. All right. John attacked this mission with a very simple message. Here's John's message. It has three parts to it. Jesus is here. I'm not Jesus. You should follow Jesus. Are we clear on that? Here's John's message. Say it with me. Jesus is here. I'm not Jesus. You should follow Jesus. Now, I took the liberty to kind of do a mashup of a lot of John's words so that you can read this one coherent thought that I just expressed. And what we're going to read happens over a three-day period. And it's one day where some people are coming to John and saying, hey, who are you? you? You seem pretty important. And then on another day, he actually crosses paths with Jesus. And so I put it all together so you can read John's own words. Here it is. He says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. We've read some of that already. Look, right, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's the one I was talking about when I said a man's coming after me who's far greater than I am 
for he existed long before me. That's mind-blowing. When John's two disciples, now John had lots more followers, but in this particular moment, too, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Here it is, right? Hey, Jesus is here. In other words, hey, we've all heard about the Messiah. We know there's a Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He's here. I'm not Jesus, right? I've been saying this for a long time. Times haven't changed. I'm not Jesus. By the way, I make a really bad Savior, <laughs> which is why, number three, you should follow him. And you know what John does? He watches his crowd dwindle down to nothing as Jesus becomes more and more popular. And fascinating to me is John's mission and his message like became the very same thing, right? And he gives a great illustration of this to punctuate things in John chapter 3. He says this. You guys know it plainly. I told you this. I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It's the bridegroom. Now, you guys can all picture this. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride. The groom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success, right? So John's saying, look, there's a guy. He would handle all the details. He's the best man, right? He's going to make sure everything gets organized. Do your socks match? Have you brushed your teeth? Okay, great. I'm going to bring you two together. But he would never think of trying to see her, right, beforehand. He would never think about trying to hold her hand. He would never try to meet her halfway down the aisle. He says, look, that guy would never try to sneak in and say, hey, excuse me, I'll take the kiss. He would never do that. He knows he's there to serve the groom. Now, I've done a lot of weddings, okay, a lot of weddings. And I've seen a lot of different things. And sometimes people forget who's getting married. You know what I'm talking about? And someone tries to steal the day. And I have to remind mom from time to time, mom, we love you. We love you, mom. You got married once, okay? It's somebody else's day. And I'm the guy to do that. If you want to get married, I'm happy to do that. And sometimes it's a bridesmaid who recently got engaged. And she's going to go to the same venue. And she bought the same dress. And she's got the same colors and the same flowers. And, and all. John goes, no, look, I'm happy for you. I'm not the guy. I'm just glad to have been invited to have a part. Hey, listen, this is not John just kind of tipping his cap to Jesus and saying, okay, I got you this far. Take it home. <laughs> it's John saying that no matter what else happens, there's one thing that absolutely must take place. And the one thing is that Jesus must emerge. He's got to be elevated, honored, exalted, focused on, enjoyed, amplified, and adored by all people everywhere. And if I get a chance to play a role in that, thank God for that. Listen, my job is not to convince you to follow me. It's not to try to change you or save you. Only one person can do that. My job is to point you to him. See, you're crucial you're absolutely necessary. You're a unique creation of God, but you're not Jesus. That's where you go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, let's get some of the worship response going. You're not Jesus. Okay, that's good. You're, all right, you're with me. Let's land this thing. I've never saved anyone. You understand that? You never saved anyone. This church, for all the great things it's done, has never saved one person. Do you understand that? But we get the privilege to carry this very simple message. Jesus is here. I'm not Jesus. Follow Jesus. And then in the single greatest summary I have for us today, and we'll land on this, in the very next statement, this is John 3, verse 30. And if you remember one thing today, I hope it's this. I think we have it. Can you read this with me? Can we read it together? Can we do that? 
All right, we're going to read it together. Here we go. He must become greater and, and I must become Absolutely. I got some balloons here. I don't know if this is going to work. I have an idea in my head. Let's see what happens. You know, what John's cautioning against is this tendency we have to believe that the way to make a difference in the world is to promote ourselves, right? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, look what I'm doing. Look who I'm helping. Look how many, how much, me, 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 right? I need to get better. <laughs> that kind of idea, right? I need to become smarter. <laughs> I got to make more money. <laughs> I need a bigger platform. <laughs> I need more influence. <laughs> and it's a lot about inflating ourselves and pumping ourselves up, right? And we look to other people sometimes to kind of inflate that sense of self-worth, don't we? Or better yet, sometimes we say, God, I think it's your job to elevate me to a position or a platform, and then I'll, make, I'll, I'll have some influence. And it's a bad Saturday night live sketch, right, where we go, you're good enough, and you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. And what's happening is we get bigger and bigger and bigger, and Jesus gets what? Smaller and smaller and smaller. And John goes, nope, all backwards. <laughs> That's exactly how I wanted it to happen. <laughs> you make the greatest difference in the world when you're using your life to make Jesus bigger and bigger. And I think our tendency sometimes is to, to look inward to try to make a difference when it's all about just looking upward. And it's just saying this over and over again. It's not about who I am. It's about who Jesus is. He must become greater and greater. i got to become less and less. And I told you at the beginning, I don't have a lot of suggestions or next steps to go out of here. I got one, and it's very, very simple, okay? Can you handle one? You know, I wasn't very good at math. That's <laughs> terrible at math. But there's a very simple equation I think we can all understand. And there's actually a couple of guys who found a way to make money off of this. And they printed T-shirts and bumper stickers and ball caps. And you can buy a bracelet. And it's just this very simple equation. It says this, he is greater than I. You might want to write it down. You might want to post it. You might want to go buy something. I don't know. Here's the question, all right? How can you shine a spotlight on Jesus so that he becomes greater and greater. I mean, how do you do that? How do you show that he's greater in your family and in your marriage and in your parenting? God, how, how can I make you greater in my finances and my relationships and my school and my work and my neighborhood? And even, God, how do you become greater in my decisions and even my disappointment? God, how, how can I shine a spotlight on Jesus so that I remember and other people get a chance to see that he is greater than I. See, you don't need to learn anything else as a follower of Jesus. I hope you hear this one clear. I don't think you need to learn anything else as a follower of Jesus than that. And then you know what? You try that. You wake up tomorrow and you go, I I'm going to try that. And you get up the next day and you try that again. You do that for the rest of your life. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to make a difference in the world that you could have never possibly imagined, ever. And what if I did that, right? What if you did that? What if a whole group of us did that? And before you know it, you know what happens? One life touches a life, touches a neighborhood, touches a city, touches a county. So that whether I stand on a stage and talk or whether I sit in a small group of children or whether I work in a cubicle or on a ship or ride a surfboard or eat in a restaurant, I'm shining a spotlight on Jesus, 
See, that's, that's what I want to do with my life. I just want to know if there's anybody else in the room who wants to do that with me. And so, see, I'm going to ask you to do something in a second. And I told Scott, I said, I don't know if you ever do this or not, but I'm going to do it, and you can pick up the pieces next week, all right? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to actually hold up a hand here in just a second. And, I, and, and all you're doing is simply saying this. You know what? Yes, I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. All you're doing is saying you're going to be willing to say a prayer with me tomorrow morning when we wake up, Okay. And it doesn't require any particular skills, an income level. It doesn't, no amount of money or even perfection. Please hear that. It doesn't mean I get it right all the time. It's just a willingness to get up and start every day, right? To start every day saying to God, God, how can I shine a spotlight on you today? Because you, please get this, as unlikely as you might be, we're just simply shining this light on Jesus so he can become greater and greater. And I want to pray for you today, okay? And if you're saying, hey, I want my life to count. I, I, don't, I don't do this very well. I'm not doing head down, eyes closed. But if you just, as we pray today, if you would just slip a hand up and let me know, man, I want to do that. I want to pray for you, okay? Can we do that? Let's pray. And as we do that, there's some of you who are in the room today, and you're here because someone like John pointed you toward Jesus. That's how you got here today. And it might be your first time or you've been here 10 years is because someone else made a difference in your life. We honor them and we're going to thank God for them. And I know there's some of us here who have been wanting to make a difference and trying to make a difference, but we're wondering if what we've done matters because you haven't seen the fruit of it yet. Hey, I, just, I think God wants you to know today you're making a difference even if you can't see it. So let me pray for us. God, today... If you just want to make your life count, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God, today, thank you so much that there are people in this room today who desire to make you greater and greater in every aspect of their life. God, this is difficult work. It's humbling work. God, give us the courage to be able to wake up every day and simply ask the question, God, how can I make you greater today so that I'm reminded of your greatness and other people see it through my life? And we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, all the credit for the great things you do through us to make a difference in this world. We, th we say this in the name of Jesus. Amen.